You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It's Wins Above Fantasy, episode 73. Steve, it's September 15th, man. We are midway through the final month of the regular season, and we are keeping the reflection themes going. But we'll we'll talk about a couple players to add if you guys are still in the hunt. And uh, beyond that, take a fun look at five different shows we did throughout the season. We'll kind of do the accountability episode here where we talk about the calls that we got right, some ones that we missed on, maybe spend a little bit less time on the misses, and then we'll talk about just the topic in general, where we might have learned a lesson or two. Should be a ton of fun. Thank you guys for joining us, especially this late in the season. We love having you here. You guys can follow us on Twitter at WinsBovePod. I am at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. Steve, uh, how's life going, man? How did uh, actually don't answer how week one of fantasy football went for you? We'll keep any of that off of the show, but how's uh, dadhood and how's it going in general? Good, crazy, still not getting much sleep. Uh, she, she's 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 good though, you know, no, no complaints on that end. Um, it, it's not the same watching baseball without my my home team in it, but I'm in the playoffs in a few other leagues going for the overall title in Adams on the wire listener league, which is, which is exciting. Uh, I've been jumping back and forth between first and second and overall. So it would be cool to take down, uh, you know, say I won an overall in an FBC league. That'd be pretty cool. Even though it's a, a smaller one sort of within the pitcherless podcast network, but Hey, that's where we are. So, uh, Absolutely. still, still, uh, still out there grinding, uh, in, in a few leagues, which is nice. I do have one problem in that league though. I am out of fab. In the On The Wire League, <laughs> I am out of fab, <laughs> as ironic as that is. In the in the show that talks about how to spend your waiver wire money, that league, I am out of fab. I dropped all of my fab on Dustin May when he came up in like the end of August. So um, I got the Grom back, though, so so that's been a nice, uh, nice boost there. But, yeah, it's a grind. I actually, right before we were recording this, uh, I was talking to my wife, and she is literally the the person on this earth that probably cares the least about fantasy baseball. I would find it hard <laughs> to find anyone that cares less about fantasy baseball than her. And she's like, what are you guys even going to talk about? Like, it's September. You're talking about next year already? I'm like, no, but we'll start doing that soon. But we're actually going to like look back at the advice we gave and see if it was wrong or right. Well, I don't know why I was so negative and went the wrong there. But whatever. We look back on that advice and she her face like lit up like oh wow that's a good idea so for someone uh, as far out of touch with fantasy baseball as she is to to be intrigued by the idea that's how you know we got a good show topic so yeah uh, my my wife approves very nice yeah it's uh you know it's good content we hope and it, it kind of originated uh to pull the curtain back a little bit my brother who i've been playing fantasy baseball with for 21 years He's a loyal listener to Wins Above Fantasy, and he kind of mentioned early on that he appreciated where we kind of fell on the sword on a couple things, and he was like, that's something you don't hear that often around the industry is like what your misses were. You know, of course, everybody kind of takes the victory laps and we joke about it, but in general, that's what we we did last year. We want to do it this year, and eventually we'll get to our chalkboard picks, which is really our primary vehicle where we 
predict the four players that will kind of ascend above their ADP and the ones that will fade. But for that, some of those are based on kind of through the full season. So we'll we'll hit on that, maybe not an entire episode, but just a, a section of an episode in the coming weeks. And then, yeah, we should have, uh, between the Mets and the Cardinals, Steve, some fun playoff baseball. So maybe oh, we yeah. can at least do some... Yankees, uh, too. Oh, yeah. Yankees, Yankees too, we'll do, for sure. Yeah. Do some brackets yeah. and just kind of, uh, you know... Maybe have some Again, little mini some, games. There. Some real baseball stuff. Yeah, I, I like it. Maybe do something fantasy wise for the playoffs. I, I, I like it. But yeah, like you said, like there's still time. Like look at what Bo Bichette's done over these last two weeks. Yes. Like there's still time to change your overall picture. Like I think I saw a tweet on Monday morning. We're recording this on Wednesday, and Bichette's obviously been good in the last two games since then. But I think he, coming into September, his WRC plus was 104, which you know is fine, but was very disappointing for where he was going in the overall first rounder and now it's up to like 130 or it was like 128 at the beginning of the week so uh much more in line with what you expected for Bo Bichette so uh you could still swing an overall line right like that season's gonna look a lot less disappointing for Bichette after those last two weeks yeah seven homers wild to say seven homers in the past two weeks gets him up to hitting like 500 yeah yeah gets him up to 24 homers on the season 282 average nine steals (laughs) That's uh, yeah. where did it? What what happened with the with the steals though with Bichette? That that's what that's what's strange with me and him. He's like nine for fifteen, right? And after being thirty for thirty one or something last year, that that's the the strangest part of the line for me. Yeah, and that's gonna. I mean, obviously that was inflating any first round, second round guy if you were counting on them for like twenty bags. So it's gonna be so much fun to look ahead once we do i think we're trying to be uh disciplined here and not going straight to like oh where do they where would they go in drafts next season uh just yet but bichette will be one of the fun ones to kind of assess like especially with this late finish like is it fourth round is it uh, is it higher is it lower but that's a topic for another day Steve, speaking of accountability, we do have to keep our promise to start the show off with some actionable advice. So without further ado, I believe we each have a player to add that we'll hit on, and then we will get into the bulk of the show, which is looking back on our episodes and uh, going through the hits and the misses. So I will pass it off to you for your player to add this week. Real quick, I know we promised not to get into... the look back and analysis for next year, but it's just strange. Bichette's sprint speed this year uh, is in the 50th percentile, and wow. it's been in the 70th to 80th percentile like the last three years. So I wonder if there was like some sort of injury there that was just yeah, holding him back. Doesn't and smell right. Maybe maybe that also led to some production, and he's finally healthy. Although he hasn't been running. Uh, this month, but Interesting. whatever. Uh, sorry, sorry. I had to, I had to look it up. I had to go just, to the just when you I thought could, you were could, out, they pull you back in. <laughs> I could not. I could not help myself. I had to do it. Um, but yes, accountability and add, and I think I have a good one. Um, it's Spencer Tor- Torkelson, sixteen percent rostered in Yahoo, um, and since he since he's come up, the surface numbers haven't been great he was recalled uh on september 1st um when rosters expanded and there was you know we talked about it i think when we had that roster expansion episode and mm-hmm. it was concerning that he was striking out more at AAA and you know was essentially a league average hitter i think he had a 100 wrc plus 
uh, and his stint since he was sent back down in like June or July uh, after he struggled this year. But there's a lot of encouraging things going on under the hood. Um, to find an ad quickly before the show, I just sorted from September 1st to now and looked at some StatCast data. And since then, um, Spencer Torkelson has a 97 average exit velocity. Um, for some context, on the year, his average exit velocity was 90.5. So yes, it's a smaller sample. It's just 28 batted balls events, but you know that big of a difference is definitely noteworthy. Uh, he's got a 17.9% barrel rate with five barrels. Um, before that, you know he had just 13 barrels in the three months. So uh, way outpacing where his barrel rate was uh, for the for the year. It's up to 8.3, which is actually going to look pretty good. But you know it goes to show that it was not that good uh, mm-hmm. before he came back up. So. Um, there's a lot going on that looks really good. And then what's even more encouraging um, is the fact that his chase rate um, is way down. Um, right before he got sent down uh, on July 9th, his rolling 10-game uh, O-swing, so this chase rate, was at 41.8%. So really, really bad. Um, now, that since he's back in game 93 that he's played this year, uh, his rolling 10-game O-swing is 26%. So he cut you know, 14 percentage points off of that O swing, which is really encouraging, right? Because that's what you want from a guy that has this raw hit tool and power that Torkelson has and why he went one overall. You want him just waiting for those mistake pitches and mashing. And, you know, you can see it. The K rate is way down. Uh, It's a 15% over the last uh, 10 games for him. Right before he got sent down, it was at like 32%. So, there's a lot going on that looks really good. He's hitting the ball harder, and it looks like his plate skills are, you know, taking a step. It looks like he's figured something out at the major league level, and it's a nice ad because there really hasn't been many surface stats. Um, you know, it's not like he has, like, four home runs. I think he only has yeah, one home run and two RBIs, but he's hitting, you know, 286, but I think there's going to be some more to come, and he could go on a nice little hot streak here to end the season so i would grab torkelson in any league that he's available for the stretch run here yeah that's a great one and it's a perfect one for you know uh, another episode topic we were talking about doing which is basically september's to remember kind of focusing on the 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 mini breakouts if you will that a lot of people are probably no longer paying attention to and this one's even better like you mentioned steve because it's not showing up that much on the surface stats but certainly uh looks to be on a great run right now just in the past like week or so a 966 ops so obviously you want the homers to come along but he was a huge name at the start of the season and obviously a, a disastrous uh initial run but then when he get he got sent down i know when he got called back up we were looking at his name next to a bunch of others and we kind of said this is just a wait and see because there you know there were so many reasons to gamble on other players who hadn't struggled but yeah all those reasons in the o swing there it's a very good one uh, mine is similar roster ship with 15 percent rostered in yahoo which is really surprising and it's it's oscar gonzalez who's a name that we haven't talked about as much this season, Steve. I know he came up with, uh, you know, all of the power upside and a lot of people were excited. But what's 
really interesting to me. I mean, for one, he's obviously white hot right now. Over the past week, he has three homers. Um, he's not striking out very much, which is great. He has better plate discipline than you'd think for kind of a, a slugger of his level. But uh, really, when I'm kind of looking at the splits on Gonzalez, who's batting cleanup for the Guardians, the most encouraging thing for me is that the fly ball rate has really skyrocketed since August, which is when he kind of turned it on. So the first half of the season, you know, there was a, a lot of you know buzz about Gonzalez amidst all of the, the Guardians and kind of their up-and-down process, but his home run to fly ball was only like 8%, which was always low. Now that's kind of corrected. I believe it's at like 15% in the second half, but on top of that, he's really gotten his fly ball rate up quite a bit. So I think if you're, um, if you're looking for some pop, this is a guy just age 24, big power pedigree, batting cleanup, and all the things kind of under the hood look like this Homer surge is legit. Um, I'm a fan. He doesn't, he doesn't walk much, but again, just like a 21% strikeout rate. So I think Oscar Gonzalez is another one. Unfortunately, you don't get the stats from the past two weeks where he's got like a 917 OPS. But I think that there's uh, some interest here, and it might be another good name to circle going into next season because his season line won't look that impressive with just like eight home runs. But um, that's mine for the week. Not sure if you got anything to add there, Steve, or if we want to jump in. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Oscar Gonzalez. I just wish I timed it a little better, or he timed it a little better for me. I added him uh, the week of my home league playoff matchup uh, on August 25th, and he went one for 12. So I think I missed like the coldest stretch in this last month uh, for Gonzalez. But I added him for all the reasons you said. It you know it looks pretty good, um, and he took a walk um, a bit more in the in the in the minors, at least at Double A. Uh, so uh, th- there could be some potential there, but it's not like the strikeout rate's super, super high uh, anyway. So um, I-, I definitely like it and think it's a good call. And I'm interested in him beyond just this year as well for, for all the reasons that you said. Yep. Just to close the loop on that because I have the numbers right in front of me, but first half uh, fly ball rate was 24% next to a 55% ground ball rate, and the second half dropped the g- ground balls from 55 down to 45%, and almost all that went to the fly ball rate, which is up from 24 to 34%. So very, very much the things you want to see there for him. He had he had 31 homers across uh, the minors in 2021. So uh, mm-hmm. definitely some sneaky pop there. There we go. We're starting to get our uh, we're starting to get our sleepers down, Steve. For <laughs> oh yeah, for, for I love it. The future, episodes. I love it. All right, so let's get into the accountability. I've kind of sorted this rundown, Steve, by by date range, so we can look mm-hmm. at this kind of in chronological order. But starting with back in March 17th, when we were all bright-eyed, bushy-tailed in draft season, <laughs> looking at breakouts and busts. And I got to say, off the rip, Steve, I, I feel like our breakouts and busts were more successful in 21 than 22, Definitely. which is maybe why we Absolutely. didn't win our leagues. Uh, but we still made the playoffs, so you know, trying to keep trying to save a little face here. However, we did have a few hits. Uh, Christian Javier was was brought up. Uh, Carlos Rodon. Uh, I had a Trevor Story fade. If you recall, the way we did this breakouts and bust episode was basically who will be this year's blank. So we we kind of looked at um, 
you know, I think Carlos Rodon, for example, is who is this year's Julio Urias, who's got great stuff. We like the pitcher, but we're concerned about volume and who could take a step forward for volume. Rodon fit the bill, so on and so forth. So Christian Javier, Rodon, and Trevor Story were good calls in that department. But you and I had a lot of misses. Uh, and I, that's, this is where I want to just rifle through them because we got to own it. But then also talk about, like, is there any lesson learned here? Or do we mm-hmm. believe in the process that we had? So the misses, to rattle them off, hold your nose. Keston Hira, Harrison Bader, Joe Adele, Ryan Mountcastle, Ryan McMahon, and then our fades to pour salt in the wound, Randy Rosarena and Adolis Garcia. Steve, the floor is yours. What, what are your thoughts looking back on this episode? It's not to say that we were uh, without reason, but um, it didn't work out for us. So I think our process was poor uh, on the way that we did this breakout and bust, right? Like we tried to thread a needle with finding this year's X or finding this year's Y. And that's not really how it works. Like uh-huh. breakouts and busts are, are, are unique. And I don't think that's a good process. Sure. It's cool for like a tweet, like, you know, I know Vlad Sedler does, you know, this year's Yelich and everything like that, but there's a lot more that goes into it than just finding a Christian Yelich. And I think it's more of just finding a breakout would rather, you know, be a, yeah, a, a better their own story. Yeah. Their own. It story. doesn't have to be Christian Yelich. Like, it, you know, I think we, we tried too hard to match the player types and it's hard enough to identify breakout and bust, let alone match them to a player type. So <laughs> I don't think that we need, we should do this style for, for breakout and butts. However, for the specific players that, that learn, I think, you know, the biggest for me are, 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 are Rosarina and Adelise. Like, mm-hmm. those player types scared us, the high K rate. But, like, we were also in on O'Neill. And, like, if you, you know, if you're like, okay, I'll take one of O'Neill, Rosarina, and Adelise, like, it's okay to take one of those player types. Just don't take all three, right? You have a two for three hit rate on those, those player types. I'm not saying that it's always, okay, those are going to be a 66% chance, whatever. But, you know, guys with flaws and guys that strike out a lot don't get too trapped in that, right? Like, there's still a path for Adelise Garcia to, to be good, and same with the Rosarena. Mm-hmm. Same with Tyler O'Neill for next year, right? Like, yeah. the, 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 you, you can't just get too tied up in, you know, one part of a player's skill package, you know? Um, while we've had all valid reasons, it's just, you know, it goes to show that that still might not be the case, even if those flaws do hold true. Like, yeah. you know, Garcia's played this one is a little bit improved, right? So that that was a big step, and like you could, you could have saw that in the beginning of the season and adjusted. And you know, I know in a lot of my leagues he was added and free, and not even drafted. So um, you could see that and, and sort of be willing to adjust. Yeah, I think the other thing to note with Rosarena and Adelise, especially, is it goes back to that Eno Saris piece early on, where or maybe it was a pod with DVR. They were talking about how you know you can kind of i guess you can kind of make up for bad plate discipline if you have kind of the bat speed and the Mm -hmm. athleticism and i know that these guys aren't like 22 years old but when you think of a rosarena adolis garcia these are guys who steal bases they're athletic players like you know maybe that high swing rate 
you know, we talk about Fernando Tatis. We were all scared of his strikeout rate when he was like the second rounder, and then he turned into, you know, a top two player in the league. So I think that's just something that like the Luis Robert prototype that I'm just not going to be as petrified just because they have like a high 20s or low 30s K rate as long as I can kind of draft around that. I mean, I know I don't want to stack my team up with those guys, but Mm -hmm, I I, I guess I feel better about if there is going to be a high K rate, let's make it a guy that is an athletic type and not you know, an aging first baseman who's, you know, got an inflated strikeout rate. And, and, and cost is a factor, right? Like Adelise was essentially free or, or late in deeper drafts. Yeah. Um, Rosarena was scary because there was a high price tag on it. Um, same with O'Neill, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Rosarena for a lot of the season, you know, he, he's a streaky player. There was a good point where he was not worth that draft pick. So, you know, in Roto Leagues, it's it's different because you don't care really when that production comes. Mm-hmm. But there's still an argument to be made that it wasn't as big of a miss uh, as it, it appears now that he's, you know, been on fire for August. But, you know, it, it's it's it, it it still comes into the fact that, you know, with costs, you know, maybe I won't invest in Adelise if he goes where Tyler O'Neill goes next year just because that cost will be high. I'd rather go where... You know, I'd take a shot with O'Neill if he's in a, a 12th rounder or something like that because it's a similar profile with a similar upside if the year goes right for him. Yeah, well said. I think in hindsight, a big lesson learned is the O'Neill or Rosarena, it's kind of flip a coin, but with mm-hmm. the draft day price for Adelise, that should have been the, you know, don't draft O'Neill or Rosarena, draft Adelise Garcia because you yes, can wait. Yes, take your... Take your shot on the on the athlete with the high K rate and steals homer potential much later, later because it won't hurt you as much. Yep, that's a awesome. that's a good lesson learned and takeaway. And Absolutely. it goes yeah, it goes with your kind of draft lesson learned from last episode of just mm-hmm. you know get your stability early on and take your take your shots later. So okay, we got to move through a lot of these episodes. So our goal was not to uh, redo the episode for forty minutes apiece. <laughs> be a long show in mid-September, but the second show we wanted to look at was Early Buys and Sells. This was uh, April 14th show, so just two, three weeks into the season, but I believe we hit our uh, sample size of like 50 balls in play. Is that right, Steve? Uh, Close to it. I don't think that was exactly. I think we might might have been halfway there. I'm just estimating it because I just ran a leaderboard from September 1st to September 14th, and most guys had like 30-ish balls in play. So I think we were halfway there. We looked more like some plate discipline, I think, um, for for that episode. But still a a pretty good list here. Okay, because we were saying uh, I think some of it was using the data that stabilized the quickest. So we were looking at like max exit velo, plate discipline but not quite yep. like barrel rate or expected stats or anything yeah which, we we had an eye, we had an eye on it but didn't want to like you know use it as gospel essentially yeah but still very early in the season so i think this is uh this is in that range where it's like these guys believing or not believing could have made a big difference in kind of your ability to pick guys up off the wire and everything like that so for this one i think we did a little better steve our buys at the time were uh, Stephen Kwan. Now he didn't end up being uh, the MVP that we thought he was in the first two weeks, but in the the full picture of the season, Kwan has put together a very nice year. 
Uh, we could talk about him more in depth in a second. Then we had Saya Suzuki, uh, Connor Joe, and then Sells. We had Giancarlo Stanton, who I liked going into the season, but we did not like that his strikeout rate had kind of regressed and he had lost some of the gains of the previous year. Same story for Jorge Soler and Bobby Dahlbeck and Joe Adele as well. Uh, the last thing I want to note on this show, I thought the pitch mix changers was a very solid list and mm-hmm. might be worthy of a kind of set it in cement show topic next year, three or four weeks into the season. Because this list here, Steve, was Kyle Wright, Justin Steele, Merrill Kelly, and Shane McClanahan. Now, granted, you know, you're not going to be able to go add a Shane McClanahan, but I think the, the story here was these guys made a tweak in just two and a half weeks mm-hmm. into the season. We saw reasons to believe, and they basically all four of those guys turned around and had a very impressive season based on their expectations. So I, the floor is yours. Yeah, any any of these yeah. buckets here that you want to hit on, uh, we, we could spend a few minutes on the early buys and sells episode. Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, sure, you weren't be able to add McClanahan, but you could have said, hey, this is really good buy high and if you bought him in april for full price you got a full year of you know an, an ace essentially so uh, i think that's a really really good call and we definitely have to do that as a show um next year uh quickly into the season that'll be a, a staple for sure you know Stephen kwan it kind of it kind of reassured what we knew it was good play at this point and you know if you held through that sort of little adjustment period in in may and and June, you know, he kind of figured out a way to contribute in stolen bases as well, you know, giving you great average hits and runs. So uh, it, it was reassuring to see that, you know, Suzuki was kind of injury, you know, cancels out with Stanton. That was a bit of an, an injury. Looks better because of that because he missed so much time. But, hey, um, if, if you see that high K rate with an injury-prone player, you know, there there is a lot more elevated risk with a guy like, like Stanton. So um, I think that's a great call, and, you know, the pitch mix changers are, are a really, really good idea, and we'll definitely look back at that. Two other things that I wanted to touch on real quickly from this episode. Um, Nate Lowe stood out for my max exit velocity standouts. Um, he had the highest max exit velocity uh, standout at, at the time. I think it was 113 miles an hour, so that was – Impressive. I know he's always been a guy that hit the ball hard and just needed to get in the air a bit more, um, but that was encouraging and, and led to a good sign. And then we also highlighted some fastball velocity gainers um, and, and guys like Luis Severino, who had a nice bounce back, Shohei Otani, who took a step from being like good. a really good pitcher to a Cy Young candidate, uh, and then other guys like uh, uh, Carlos Rodon, who you know has been relatively healthy for for all the concerns we had about him, Logan Gilbert, who's been pretty good all year. So um, some good process on this episode for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick, Steve, because I got to do it. Um, Stephen Kwan, uh, I've talked to you about how he's kind of tailored, tailor-made for my home league settings with like the plate discipline. And we, we have walks, we dock for strikeouts. We have like singles, doubles, triples as categories. I have the ability to keep Stephen Kwan in the sixth round of a 14 team. So it's pr- it's pricey, but you won't believe he his season rank with those league settings 20 Let me guess. 28 uh, right. overall. Yeah, so then you got to keep him. I mean in standard leagues he's you know probably you know low 100s, right? Like Yeah. 
He's got 15 steals, uh, a 293 average with 72 runs. It's yeah, more walks and strikeouts, uh, which that's yeah. that's a that's a list of maybe five players in the league, if yeah. that. Um, so yeah, quickly had to hit on that, but um, you said it. Yeah, the the fastball velocity. I think we just need the pitchers episode like that two For or three sure. weeks in next year and like that that's stuff that we know right like you're, you're able to tell with pitchers quicker because you get so much more of a sample right so yeah uh stick stick with what works absolutely moving forward a little bit we're now on june 30th episode 62 this was second half bounce backs and this one was a little bit more spin the wheel steve and we were just kind of grabbing guys that more or less in my opinion, were name brands that were underperforming. Mm-hmm. Some of them had underlying metrics that gave us some reason to believe, but I don't think any of them were like scream off the mountaintop, like everything points that this guy is going to break out, um, maybe with one or two exceptions. So for this show, we all of the names we mentioned were bounce backs that, that we were predicting. Some of them somewhat worked out. Uh, Max Muncie... You know, I almost had to look and and gut check these, but Muncie's OPS first half to second half went from 639 to 860. So we started to figure it out there. Jonathan India, you wouldn't really like put it as a headline, but he went from a 636 OPS to an 812. I know that was kind of a small sample size at the time on the pre All Star break. Uh, Castellanos, I know, man, he's been like one of the misses of the whole season. We both liked him going into the year. His OPS did go from 673 to 773, but no homers to go with it. And then the misses that really stood out were Juan Soto, which we probably don't even need to talk about. That seems like an anomaly and crazy, but we all know that his OPS, for what it's worth, dropped from 931 to 738. In the second half, and then crazy, crazy. Yeah, and then the, the the real big misses were Joey Votto, Nelson Cruz, and then Trevor Rogers and Lucas Giolito, whose name will come up several times in this episode. But the question for Votto and Cruz is just put bluntly: like, is this the end of the road for those guys? And then uh, beyond that, curious on your thoughts on this episode, Steve. Any lessons learned or any anything you want to probe on? Um, I think we were better at this last year too. Another another thing that we weren't great at identifying. Uh, definitely for me, Soto. I put my chips all in on him in my around my league's trade deadline. Uh, traded Manny Machado for him. Thought it was a good idea, uh, but that's why I'm sitting home golfing <laughs> figure, uh, figuratively, not literally, with a newborn. So uh, you're right. Though article we, we, today. there was Goldschmidt last year. Like I remember, there were some mm-hmm. massive. We na- we nailed there. we nailed last year. We nailed it last year. Yeah. Um, but Soto J Jaff over at Fangraphs wrote an article today about how Soto's not having a Juan Soto type year. I did not read it yet. I am look at me being a horrible host, but I will plan on reading it. You should definitely read it. Uh, it, it he does great work over there at Fangraphs J Jaff. So. Uh, uh, looking forward to reading that and wondering if there's just, you know, some sort of injury going on, new adjustment to, you know, San Diego. Uh, you know, we see that these things take uh, take time, sometimes take a year, uh, like we saw with Goldschmidt, Arenado, Lindor, um, for guys at, at new places. So um, 
I'm going to be all over Soto if he falls to like the mid or back end of the first round next year. For Votto and Cruz, Cruz, yeah, it might be he's so he's so old that it might be over. But for Votto, like you know, he tweeted out like right before he announced that he needed shoulder surgery, and his Twitter is great. Uh, he was like, "I didn't know I was hurt. I thought I just stunk." Uh, so maybe that injury. Uh, played into it all year and, and, and led to that. So I would never count out Joey Votto even after he burned me, essentially. I was, had, like, the most shares of him I've ever had this year. Um, Trevor Rogers, it looks like he's actually healthy. He probably he had a back injury all year this year. Said he's felt the best that he has all season. And since he's come back from the IL, he's looked like the Trevor Rogers of last year. So another guy that I'm going to be all in on next year looks like he was hurt. Giolito, uh, shrug emoji. I have no idea. Uh, I, I I don't get it with Giolito. Um, you know, I need to. I would need to do a deep deep dive onto what's going on with Giolito. Yeah, uh, I do not get why he's this bad. Yeah, well said all around. And I, Rogers, we were swirling around that as a topic for three or four weeks in a row this season, and I. It just felt like the one that was going to bounce back, and we were watching starts, and it makes me feel way better that, like you said, uh, he's kind of putting it all together in the past month with, or I guess the past three starts, uh, 18 in the third with a 295 ERA, .93 whip. So that's a really good one that's uh, flying under the radar, I'm sure. There will be some buzz, and uh, that'll be something to watch in the offseason, but I was curious on Soto. So you're you're thinking mid to back part of the first round. I I would I would take the over on pick eight. In uh, really, I'm just saying in terms of his ADP. I think people are. Yeah, no, you, you think that that's where how far he's going to fall. You yes, think people are that burn that. Bad? I think he's going to go back in that like Bryce Harper territory, but maybe maybe not. Um, it's just on the the 237 average. He doesn't have a lot of speed to go with it. Um, I, I'm where you're at, which I, I would probably p- pick him around, you know, the five to seven range and just, yeah. Kinda... So hope you hope you have the eighth pick and he falls. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's a really interesting one. So, uh, we got two more shows that were jam packed with hits and misses. We will get to in a second, but first we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, so Steve, the uh, the timeline shifts forward a couple weeks. It is now July seventh. Yeah, we need like a, a fast forward sound effect in here, you know, like uh, as we go find. from July. Uh... Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, so yeah, this is the July seventh, and this is one of my favorite ones, Steve. We talked about 
basically looking at quarters of the season. So we were almost at the halfway point, and we said, let's look at the first quarter of the season versus the second quarter. And you ran a, a really nice spreadsheet that showed uh, K minus BB improvers from first quarter to second quarter for pitchers, and then barrel rate improvers from first quarter to second quarter. And for this, we did both the guys who it looks good, like the arrow was going the right way, mm-hmm. and then the guys that it looked bad. So of all the shows we did, when I looked at this one, I was like, oh, man, this kind of had the crystal ball working. Um, so to, to kind of rattle through them, Charlie Morton was a, a smashing success. He was near the top of that list. Pre-All-Star break, a 445 ERA. Post-All-Star break, a 368 ERA. Uh, the K rate got even better for Morton. I know that would have been kind of a almost a buy high at that time because he was starting to figure it out anyway, but it still looked even better the rest of the way. Jose Quintana, I remember at the time, he was not a Cardinal, so I was not uh, biased on that, but you were loving him, <laughs> Steve. And his numbers, they followed suit with the chart here. Pre-All-Star break, a 399 ERA. Post-All-Star break, a 222 and the whip improved as well. Ironically, the K's actually, the K rate went down a little bit, but you'll take it with those ratios. And then on the flip side, on the pitching, we had reasons for concern at, you know, kind of the midway point of the season for Eric Lauer, who we all know kind of, you know, turned back into a pumpkin. Uh, Tariq Skubal, who we liked at first, but then we were like, man, now it's starting to look like it's going the other way. And Lucas Giolito. So those three fades you probably could have sold on a trade and and uh been very thankful that you did that said we got to own that another fade on that list who was kind of regressing from the first quarter to the second quarter was zach gallon and he was lights out the rest of the way so let's start with pitchers steve because there's a lot in there um just thoughts on that metric in general and how you felt about some of these guys and uh the show topic yeah, uh, I think this is another one that we definitely have to bookmark and, and do as a topic. I, there was a lot of uh, good process and good results that, that came of it. Um, you know, Gallon's a bit unfair. He made a pretty drastic pitch mix change um, in, in the beginning of, the, of August, like kind of after the All-Star break and, and took off from there. He really started the uh, to up the use in his curveball uh, at the expense of his cutter and changeup, which, uh, you know, they're still two good pitches, but that clearly unlocks something for him. He might just be able to command the curveball and mm-hmm. get a ton more whiffs. Um, uh, but you know, we've always loved gallon and, and I, I think, you know, I don't think we were, you know, screaming panic sell on him. Like we were on, on a few other guys. No, I, um, I remember I was actually listening to it. We were saying Giolito and gallon, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So kind of okay. both well, of them so, there. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, then we were saying yeah. Scooball, Lauer, some of the earlier guys yeah. uh, we were more concerned with. But, yeah, I, I hear you. It's fair. So, um, But still, I think it led to uh, – I think this is a good process. Like, right, like you could have had Quintana for free and added him before the mad rush when he became a Cardinal and even that few starts runs before he he was traded. Uh, Morton was just you know clearly a great buy low um, and, and, revalidated, and revalidated that. So – I uh, think we definitely have to do uh, do this uh, next year again at the at the halfway point and sort of look at it in quarters. Yeah, the quarter by quarter was great. And then mm-hmm. um, on the hitter side, we had some successes as well uh, with looking at the barrel rate improvements. And we only did a few of these ones because we ran long on the pitchers. But 
Francisco Lindor, who first half had a 756 OPS, second half an 858. Uh, the homer total has gone down a little bit, but still you'll you'll kind of take the the climb there. And then Nathaniel Lowe, another one, Steve, that we were kind of talking about throughout the season along with the rest of the industry. But, man, did he put it all together with the, the first half, a 752 OPS, second half, 1035. And Lowe, I wanted to call out just the season line, batting 307, 24 homers, the counting stats look good for where we're at in the season. We'll probably end up with, you know, something close to 150 runs plus RBIs. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where low lands, but I think for a player like that, Lindor, you know, wasn't he again would have been a trade target. Um, but these these barrel risers, really, the the one that we missed was Jesse Winker, but Lindor and Low both were really astute at that point where you could have you know, did the buy low or uh, obviously go out and add Nathaniel Lowe. He was on the wire for a lot of leagues, but uh, more good stuff there for the hitters. Uh, anything to add on, on those guys or anything in general, Steve? No, I, I know Lowe got hot uh, a little bit before that and was probably added in, in most leagues, but um, if he wasn't, it was, you know, a, a it's really encouraging that that these two guys showed up. You know, Lindor has been, you know, kind of like what Lindor was before uh, 2021 and 2020 uh, in, in the second half. So um, good stuff there, and I definitely think we should look at it again next season for hitters too. Yeah, it's a um, – I, I liked how you talked about just the simplicity of, of these metrics, but next year it's going to be – you know, we'll go. We'll go straight to this because I yeah, think- and like maybe we can do it even like a little earlier, right? So we could see low. You know, maybe we can do it. I don't know. And yeah, not wait till July. 50, yeah, yeah, because like you know, there, there there could be there could have been some maybe some April to May act- exactly. Yeah, like April to May rise or something like that. Um, or you know, we could see like when when they hit like a hundred when when people are hitting like a hundred balls in play. Um, so that we have like a sample of 50 and 50, like, you know, stabilization rates for both periods, something like that. Um, so we can identify low maybe a little bit earlier because he was probably scooped up towards the end of June in most leagues. But mm-hmm. um, if you did, like, you know, he got essentially a a first round first baseman, right? Like, Jesus, Lowe has had such a good year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, it seemed like it just his hitter profile, we were talking about it, because for a while it was all contact, almost like the Eric Hosmer thing, and then he really found the power to where, yeah, I mean, he's been on a tear, eight homers in his last month, but um, yeah, it seems like he has been several different hitters, and now he's putting them all together, so very interesting to see what's going to happen mm-hmm. with Nathaniel Lowe. Um, and yeah, maybe we can pair it with like, uh, it'd be a good thing for like trade targets as well. If we want to do like a, definitely you know, look yep. at it with the trade lens too. So love that. Um, and then kind of the, the Van Burnett special here, always looking at the second half schedules and most importantly for, for pitchers to see if you've got a starting pitcher on the wire or on your team that's lined up for the pirates, the tigers, etc. And this one we did on July 21st, so it was kind of looking ahead to August and September, but 
we looked at strength of schedules for both hitters and uh, pitchers. We didn't love the the pitcher teams from like a waiver standpoint. I believe like the Rangers were on there, and then there yeah. were the White Sox, which you know most of those starting pitchers were already rostered. But I, I guess if you were to try to make sense of the pitchers. Jordan Montgomery, we, we really outlined that the Cardinals and the White Sox had two of the best schedules um, across both sides of the, the baseball. And when you look at what Montgomery did when he moved to the Cardinals, some of that would, of course, be the devil magic. But otherwise, the schedule certainly played in his favor. He's had a low twos ERA after he was kind of wobbling with the Yankees before that. And then Dylan Cease was lights out in the second half, but he's kind of been lights out the whole season. On the other White Sox, Kopech and Giolito have not really capitalized on the the soft schedule the way you would have hoped for. But I think there's more to be excited about with the hitters, Steve, where we talked about Eloy Jimenez, Luis Renjifo was a name that I feel like the first time we mentioned it, we were kind of laughing about like, let's make sure we get this pronunciation right and this guy's 1% Mm -hmm. rostered. And he turned it on in the second half with a 283 average and a 762 OPS, mixing in a little power speed there. And then Tyler O'Neill, it's kind of a tricky one. I know he's been the headache of the season for you, but if you want to look at the numbers pre-All-Star break, a 650 OPS and post-All-Star break, the average went down, but the power kind of came around and the OPS was at 759 thanks to 10 homers compared to four in the first half. So overall, uh, the second half schedules, it's an interesting topic because I feel like there are still pitchers that randomly get roughed up by like the Chicago Cubs. For sure. You know, so I really want to give this one the stress test, but I feel like it still has its merit, um, you know, certainly from just like a common sense standpoint, but then it looks like we've at least uncovered a few things that led to breakouts. But what, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah. Maybe for pitchers, it needs to be more of um, like guys to stream, right? Like we don't even need to mention specific guys, but like, okay, Hey, when, when they're facing these teams, you know, you could stream, you know, uh, JP Sears against the Angels, right? Because we identified the Angels as a as a really bad team or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like for Giolito and Kopech, like Kopech was velocity was fluctuating all year, battled some injuries. Giolito just didn't seem right. Like the you know the fact that he's facing the A's isn't going to fix Giolito, even though it's a great matchup, right? He's just going wrong. It's probably will still go wrong maybe just a little less wrong versus the A's right yeah um, maybe we need to tweak the process on on that there um, and not use it as like a buy low sort of mechanism um, but you know for hitters I think that might be a different story right like Renhifo had a great schedule not the greatest hitter but you know cashed in with 11 homers 6 steals uh, so far this year, and has really take made the most of that playing time, and a soft schedule like that could be good. Um, Eloy, I think, was a great call. I think it's just a, a matter of him getting healthy and you know facing these rough teams. You know, we saw that uh, the White Sox had this great schedule, and they've really been taking advantage of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, Eloy, you you could have bought low on, and I think we were really 
stressing that we sh- you should buy low on him. He was still close to that. Right, the All Star break was late this year, so we did this episode like right out of the All Star break. So he's sitting under two hundred at the time of this episode. Uh, the rest of the way, he's got you know Mike Trout numbers: ten thirty three OPS and eleven homers. Uh, so if you did that, that's a, a absolute great move. Um, Where do O'Neal? you while we're on? Just because we got some time, yep. Steve. While we're yep. on Eloy, you know, people will look at this and see. I, I don't have it in front of me, but he's got to have what maybe like fourteen, fifteen homers on the season. Let's see. It's uh, yeah, thirteen home runs on the season. What range of the draft do you think with this second half and his name value, but also? Some people have been burned at this point. Do you think he's like 80s, 90s territory, even farther back than that? I mean, where was he? Where was he this year? He I was think probably 65, what, 50, 50, 60, and then like the year before that, he peaked at like the 30s. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why we liked him. We're like, look at how much we liked him just a year ago, right? Um, and if he's anywhere lower than he is this year, I'm going to absolutely love it. I think he should be. I think you're right. Um, maybe it'll be from pick 80 to 100, uh, but I am going to love Eloy Jimenez at, at that price next year. Just you know, When he's healthy, this guy mashes. I know when he's healthy, it's been risky with that, but one of those injuries was that freak injury in spring training. Um, you know, This year, there's been a bunch of different issues, but you know, when he's going good, he's one of the best hitters in the league, so... I'll love him at that discount and be trying to get as many shares as I as I can. Yeah, five by five. He's the number one player in fantasy baseball over the last week, uh, number twenty four over the past month. So that'll be a name to to circle and and see if uh, you can get a discount on Eloy for for buying. Now, granted, it has been against some some lighter matchups, but still, the AL Central in general, yeah. you're, you're going to get that. The overall line, you know, right now it's. Looking good, so maybe that discount won't be as steep as we're hoping. It's a 317, 382, 522 slash with a 904 OPS. I know the volume's not there, but those rate stats are going to pop off the page. Yeah, it's a good point because I guess he really didn't have much uh, time early on yeah. before the All Star yeah. break. So, yeah. That's, it wasn't weighted well, yeah. And then people, yeah, people were just getting impatient. I, I do remember this year he got his, his roster ship got all the way down to like. 86% like he was being dropped I added him as a waiver claim I was the only claim in my home league out of 14 teams so it was it was crazy that it happened like that but sometimes you know yeah, people get the, impatient and they freak out the, and we, the we, underlines yeah. look as good as it did in 2020 so like a 55.5% hard hit rate uh, 113 max EV uh, he'll be in the 60s uh, you know, then. Yeah. Probably. Oh yeah. 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 I don't. I don't think there's going to be as big of a discount. Uh, in and the K rate and walk rates are the best it's been. So, hopefully, people weren't paying attention, but I doubt it. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, even at even at 50s or 60s, I, I think I like it just because the only thing that's been holding this guy back is is is, is the health, and it's not like you know. I don't think he's in John Carlos Stanton's soft tissue injury territory just yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the other ones, I'm just trying to look through uh, some of the other ones we had outlined, but like I remember Taylor Ward was a name we were throwing out along with uh, Ren Hifo. He was out for a while and, and banged up. It looks like he's kind of been a little ho-hum. Um, you know, it's like 250. He's kind of warming up a little bit, but... Yeah, regardless, uh, I think 
this is a worthwhile exercise. We'll probably keep the show next year, but maybe just tweak it like you're saying and focus more on hitters to target and maybe just uh, almost do like a, a offenses to stream against and maybe outline some pitchers over the next like couple weeks rather than looking at like a rest of season. But yeah, that's yeah, that's uh, one that we'll have to evaluate and and keep it going. So. Across all of these, Steve, um, you know, any closing thoughts about some of these topics? I mean, I think those are good lessons learned with the breakouts and busts. Let's not try to fit it into an already complicated mm-hmm. uh, scenario and make it even more complicated. Uh, early buys and sells, we kind of we kind of liked what we were doing there, but especially looking at pitch mix changers and pitchers with velocity changes. Uh, second half bounce backs. Maybe we got to look if there's any really jumping out this year. I think we were kind of squinting at a lot of these and looking at the name value. And then uh, I think our one of our favorites is that K minus BB and barrel improvers quarter by quarter or month by month. But um, yeah, this, this is fun looking back on these, man. I, I enjoy this. Yeah, and I think the, the overall lesson and something that I... I, I always tried to focus on it and 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 preached and, and think it's a good way to to be good at this whenever there's a change like look for a reason behind that change like i think then our most successful shows were where that was the process where we looked at a k-bb change where we looked at a pitch mix change where we looked at a barrel rate change so i think for you know for our process this this off season and for looking for breakouts like look for reasons why guys improve like look for okay you i got healthy this is what happened you know uh things that that lead to you know the surface that changes like sure you could you could see a hot month for a player but like look to see what caused that and, and try to find the the underlying stats and i think that's our roots that's the roots of the show and i think that that's the best process and going through all these and having this accountability and sort of recapping what worked and what didn't i think that's what worked like try to find a cause for what your eyes and what the numbers are, are, are telling you and go with that you're going to find charlie morton eli jimenez in the second half if you do that yeah it's a it's a really good one and i think uh yeah we can keep throughout the off season we'll we'll continue to kind of uh keep line of sight to what's worked in the past season. I know we like in the off season to get into some of the advanced metrics and like even like the, like, the vertical attack angle, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll just continue to focus on uh, improvement. That's what we do. So yeah, um, the year to year leaderboard changer is going to be our friend uh, over at Fangraphs uh, this off season. I'm going to be on that page a yes. bunch. Yeah, so programming note, Steve. I know uh, we're talking about maybe September to remember. We got the chalkboard in there, but we're probably just a couple weeks out from uh, the episodes getting spaced out a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, then we can probably get into the um, you know top pitchers, hitters going into next year, surprise ADP rankings, some things like that, and then before you know it, we might even be into some early mocks for next year. I think oh, yeah. uh, last year they hit as quickly as like late October, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll have what two more regular seasons episodes 
um, then we'll start spacing it out. I know we'll, we'll keep you guys posted on, on the schedule and everything like that. Um, but yeah, excited for it. Excited to still give some advice. Like we said, I, I, I think it's cool that we, we, we we're trying to look for a player each week and we'll, we'll do that going forward. We'll, we'll look back and see how Torkelson and, uh, Oscar uh, Gonzalez did this, this next week and, and, and sort of grade ourselves there and, and keep that going. But yeah, excited for it, man. I, I hope we, we do that staff mock, uh, mock draft again. That's a, a great way to kick off, uh, the yeah, that, that's, that'd yeah. be another fun one to, to look back on. Uh, we'll have to do that as like a mini segment. I think, I, I, think, I think my, te- my team was my great team was in that good, league, dude. My team was good, dude. My team was Nestor Cortez in the 21st <laughs> round. We yeah, Otani was, fir- was my first pitcher. Nick Remy on Oh, it, but, dude, yeah. Know, we, now he's going to win the Cy Young. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we have to – We have to, <laughs> for all our losses, we have to go back to that and be like, man, Nick yeah, talked I, us off the ledge on a, a flyer th- on I Cortez. Think, I think my best team was the mock draft that didn't do anything, you know, that, like in October. Spot so, on. Although uh, I think I had Castellanos, so I'll have to, I'll have to eat, eat crow on that one. But oh, I love it, man. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, please throw us a, a rating, review on Spotify, Apple, wherever you guys listen. But thanks so much for tuning in this time of the year. Our Twitter is at WindsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. And Steve is at Stav8818. It's Winds Above Fantasy, episode 73, the accountability episode. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for talking baseball, guys. Later.